All right, let's uh, look. We're at lesson 30. Everybody got a, um, a really debated when we were doing lesson 30 here, whether or not to divide it again, okay? Because uh, there is a lot of material. This is basically a law section. And we're going to go through these. Some of these you're going to fill out. Some of them I've just written down for you. Because there's just a lot of material here that are just laws about what to do. Now, when you say laws, what kind of laws? Well, this was laws on how Israel was supposed to function in the land. Okay? How Israel was supposed to function in the land. Meaning how they were to operate, how they were to live, the things that they were to adhere to while they were in Canaan when they got into and claimed the land. So we're going to look at these things today. So we're, it's a big section. This is the second message. If you remember, Deuteronomy can be divided into four messages and then a closing section concerning the transition from Moses to Joshua. Okay? All right, so here we are. We're in the second part, the second half. This is the biggest message in all of Deuteronomy. We're going to look at chapters 12 through 26. All right, so let's look. First of all, we're going to look at verse chapters 12 through chapters 25, specific laws for the land, okay? First thing that he wanted to command them about, and this is one that they failed miserably at as you go throughout the entire Old Testament, is concerning the issue of a single place of worship. A single place of worship. Alright? So Israel, first of all, was commanded to completely destroy the Canaanite high places on hills and mountains. So the Canaanites, as most pagan cultures, Gentile cultures, that existed, built shrines on top of hillsides. Okay, because basically... Their gods were agrarian gods, gods of fertility, gods of rain, and so forth. And so they worshipped them on hillsides. And typically, if there was an old tree or something under that, if they would, tree would become sacred, they also would put their Asherah poles there. And so Israel was commanded, when they took the land, they were to destroy all of these high places. They were to completely wipe out the pagan religion, the Gentile religion that existed there. So the Lord would decide, now it wasn't their decision, the Lord would decide where the central place of worship would be for Israel. So the Lord would decide where he was going to have them come and worship. So that would mean he's going to decide where the tabernacle would be placed. Because that's where the central place of worship is, right? Because when they were in the wilderness, what was the central place of worship in the wilderness? The tabernacle, because they, what, camped all around it. The Lord would decide where this place would be. All offerings and sacrifices to the Lord must take place at the tabernacle. Very clear in Deuteronomy. Any type of sacrifice made to the Lord was supposed to take place where? At the tabernacle. All right, let me stop for a moment. Obviously, you guys have read 
some through the Old Testament, maybe some of you have read all of the Old Testament, when you go through First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, how'd they do with that? Did they just make sacrifices at the tabernacle or the temple? I see some people are not sure. Some people are shaking their head. No, no, they didn't. Because you'll read about this person, even some of the judges, like Samuel, sacrificing here in a town. Some of them in a high place here, especially the northern kingdom, they completely ignored that altogether, set up two golden calves in Bethel. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, they didn't do well with this. But they're, here they are in Deuteronomy being told there's only one place to worship. And all the sacrifices had to take place here at this central place. Now, remember, all right, first of all, next thing, the, Next part of what we're going to see there is that Israel was allowed to slaughter meat without having to bring it to the tabernacle. Remember when we went through numbers? They were told, if you're going to slaughter meat, you had to bring all your animals to be slaughtered where? At the tabernacle. And that made sense because you don't want, you've got a big campsite with a million people you don't want people just slaughtering animals everywhere, right? Health reasons and so forth. And so they did all of the slaughtering at the tabernacle. Now when they go into the land, Israel is going to spread out all over the land. How impractical would it be is, well, I feel like a steak tonight. Let's go slaughter that cow. Oh, but we got to take it 12 miles over to the tabernacle to, to, to what? slaughter it, and then bring it back. Is that pretty impractical? Yeah, so now Moses, the Lord through Moses, is what? Allowing people to slaughter animals everywhere. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Anywhere they can, within certain restrictions, okay? So Israel was allowed to slaughter meat without having to bring it to the tabernacle. Now, when we get to chapters 12, verse 29, through chapter 13, verse 18, the issue of idolatry comes up again. And be honest with you folks, it comes up continually in the Old Testament because Israel struggles with what, folks? They struggle with adopting the gods of other nations. You know, do you, know, do you understand what I'm saying? With, I mean, it doesn't make sense sometimes. So they, they go and they conquer a nation. Their God gives them victory over this other nation who's worshiping this false God. Then they conquer that nation, and guess what they do? They adopt the, that God of that nation they just conquered. Why would they do that? That God wasn't, it was any, nothing. Their God is the one who gave them the victory, but they adopt this other God. So the issue of idolatry is very big here. So here's the thing. The Lord commanded Israel to avoid the pagan idolatry of the nations that they were to destroy, that they will destroy. Excuse me, they haven't destroyed them yet. But that they, the Lord commanded Israel to avoid the pagan idolatry of the nations that they will destroy. They're supposed to avoid it, stamp it out, don't do anything about it. Now God also tells them to be aware Israel has shown that the temptation to idolatry will come from three ways. So the temptation from idolatry comes from three ways. Now, when you look at this, 
I'll be honest with you, these are the same three influences in our life that we have to be careful of. So the temptation to idolatry, turning away from the Lord and worshiping idols for Israel would come from three ways. Here it would come. Number one, a false prophet. A false prophet could lead them in the wrong direction. Isn't that true today for us? We have to be so careful of false prophets coming up from among us and leading us astray concerning the truth and the worship of the Lord. Yep, yep, very, very, very much an issue. What do you mean? Well, if you go over to Acts, I believe it's Acts chapter 20, Paul's final message to the Ephesians before he heads down to Jerusalem, where he's going to be arrested because he thinks he's not going to see them again, he warns them that from among them, from among them, not from outside, from among them would come what? Ravenous wolves, false teachers who will lead them astray. See, our greatest threat, folks, isn't the outside, isn't the government, isn't people outside. You know what? You're not, the Jehovah Witnesses coming to your door isn't your greatest threat. Your greatest threat is always from within you. Somebody who you think is okay, but actually is not. And they're a false teacher, and they'll lead you astray. Here it is. They would be led astray by adultery by a false prophet. Somebody coming from among them, claiming to be a prophet, leading them astray. Here's the other one, second one, family members or loved ones. What? Yeah. Think about that for a moment. Is it possible for a family member or a loved one in your life to honestly lead you astray from the worship of the Lord? Yeah. Why would that be a big issue? Everybody wants harmony in the home, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? So eventually it just wears on you. You'll do whatever because of the loved one. All right? Next one is apostates who lead a town astray. The Lord mentions this one. They would live in villages, and the central life of the village would all be worshiping together. But then what would happen is, is that it's referred to as wicked men here in the passage. Wicked men would arise up and lead a town or a village astray. So it would be apostates who would rise up and lead a group of people who would come in and lead the village astray. So all three of these are even applicable to us today, aren't they? Yeah? Pretty applicable. Now, the punishment for each of these was death. Any one of these, whether it's a false prophet, your loved one who leads you astray, a group of guys who whatever lead a whole town astray, the punishment for all of them was death. Bottom line. You look at the scripture passages there, each time he mentions each one of these folks leading you astray into idolatry, away from the Lord, the punishment, according to the Old Testament, as far as Israel, was death. They were to be punished by death. All right. Now, we're going to talk about the holiness of the people. We see that in chapters 14 through 29. All right, so to maintain holiness as a people... Israel was not to engage in the mourning practices of the nations. Mourning practices. What? Did, anybody know what mourning practices are? 
Okay, how you react after a death goes a little bit further than just the reaction, although that's part of it. We have mourning practices, right? What do we do when somebody dies in our families? What do we do? It's, everybody does the same thing. What do we do? Funeral, but before the funeral, we have what? Well, viewing, but before the viewing, we have what? Let's get a little bit more specific. Okay, usually here's what happens. You're right, okay, because I deal with this all the time, okay? Usually after your death, what, there's a family gathering. You decide what you're going to do. Maybe it's just a small group, but there's a family gathering. Then you go to the funeral home. There's people that gather at the funeral home. They, they talk with the funeral home, and they what? Make arrangements. Then the preacher calls, and you meet with the preacher. And you talk about this, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You make arrangements for the funeral. You either have it at the home, or you have it at a church. Then you make arrangements for what? The, 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 the dinner afterwards. We have Those are typically the practices that most of us operate by, right? Okay? Our culture's changing a little bit. Now it's that well, there's a lot of times where people won't have a service, but they'll still have family gatherings or whatever. Now, that's our typical mourning practices in our culture. Their culture was a little bit different. The pagan cultures of that time, because of the outpouring of grief, they would cut themselves. Self-mutilation would be typical. You understand? They would make sacrifices. Some of you are like, self-mutilation? Yes. That's, again, the cutting thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Expressing grief by weird, crazy stuff. And the Lord is saying to them, don't do that. Don't engage. You are forbidden. And because you are a holy people, you are my people, don't engage in the mourning practices of the nations. It gets pretty specific in the passage, okay? All right, the Lord tells Israel uh, the animals that would be ceremonially unclean to touch or eat. So there's a list of animals here. There's a list of animals here um, that they could not touch or eat, all right? A list of animals, you, you might look at that list and you say, well, that's pretty good. I enjoy eating that animal, you know what I'm saying? I understand, but he's telling Israel not to eat these animals. Now, he's going to tell them why here in a moment, okay? The purpose for the restriction was to show the distinctiveness of Israel among the nations. Now, sometimes when I hear this, you know, people will say, oh, well, you know, you look at the dietary restrictions, it's especially those folks who want to sell you a diet based on the Old Testament, okay? It's, it's for health reasons or whatever. Wonderful. There are some health benefits. Wonderful, okay? Actually, the whole purpose of the law and what they were supposed to eat and not supposed to eat was for one simple reason the passage tells you is so that they would be distinct from what? Rest of the nations. They would stand out from the rest of the nations because of their what? Their diet. You see that in Daniel, the first chapter. All the people are gathered there in, in, in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. They're being trained like Daniel and everybody to be eunuchs. They're given meat and so forth from the king's table. But who can't eat that? 
Daniel and his friends. Why? Because they're Jewish. They, they, they can't eat that food. It's forbidden for them to eat. But all the other nations who are gathered there are what? They're eating it. it. See, there's a distinctiveness that's supposed to be showing the difference between what? Jews and the rest of the world. That's why they're distinct. We look at them like, are you kidding me? When I want a burger, I want a piece of cheese on it. You know what I'm saying? But they won't do that. Actually, it's from Deuteronomy that they won't do that. What? You can't mix, boil a calf in its mother's milk. Now, I'm not boiling the calf in cheese. Do you, you understand? But that's how they interpret Okay? Yeah, sounds kind of good. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Now, Israel was shown laws concerning tithing and Israel's responsibility to tithe. Now, I'll be honest with you, if you go to a typical good Baptist church, you'll hear about the responsibility for tithing, and they'll always go to Deuteronomy. I understand that wonderful teaching, but this is for who, first of all? Israel, where? In the land of, it, in the land of Israel. And what were they to tithe off of? Everything. Their, their crops, their every, you know what I'm saying? They, they were responsible. When you come to the New Testament, tithing is not commanded, but giving is. You're to be generous, and you're to give as the Lord, what, leads you. Do you understand? And it says very clearly in the Corinthian letters that the Lord loves what? A a generous giver who gives from his heart. And it also says very clearly in 1 Corinthians, not by compulsion. What does that mean, not by compulsion? Yeah, well, or telling you it's a rule or a law. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're to give out of your free will. That's very clear in the New Testament, okay? This is for Israel. Israel was commanded to observe the sabbatical year which occurred every seventh year. Every seventh year, they were to have a sabbatical year. When the crops would rest, there were a couple of other things that needed to take place in the sabbatical year. We're going to see those here in a moment. So here's what would happen in a sabbatical year. In a sabbatical year, all debts and loans of the Israelite were to be canceled. All right, so let's say we're all Jews here. We're living in the land. And uh, Rob Bauer borrows from me during that seven-year period. He borrows a 1,000 shekels from me, okay? And he's paying 15% interest. Well, he's not supposed to pay interest at all, but I'm charging him 15%, okay? Yep. So, anyhow, so... That seventh year comes around in the sabbatical year. What's the law say? Yeah, it's wiped out. That debt is wiped out. And they did because they never kept the sabbatical year. That's why they ended up going into Babylonian captivity. It very clearly tells you in the passage that they didn't keep the sabbatical years. They did, the land didn't rest, and so God made the land rest during the 70 years of captivity. 
Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Pretty interesting, isn't it? So they were to forgive their debts. Now, okay, you say, well, what if I, a Gentile, loaned Rob money? Or, or you know, I, you know, was that debt forgiven? No, no, no. That debt, if 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 a, if he loaned a Gentile, excuse me, excuse me, if he loaned a Gentile, that debt wasn't forgiven. It was only among Israelites. Okay, only among Israelites. All right. In the sabbatical year, all Israelite servants were to be freed. Okay, all Israelite servants were to be freed. Okay, so let's say, because of my financial situation, I sell myself into service to Denny. Okay, so now I become Denny's servant. Because he paid for me. Because I needed the money. You know what I'm saying? So now I'm Denny's servant. In the sabbatical year, because I'm a Jew and he's a Jew, I would be set free from my obligation to him. Okay? I would be set free from my obligation to him. That was the law. Again, they didn't observe that law, but that's what they did. Now, what happens is, is the law also gives a stipulation. However, the servant could choose to remain with a family for life. Let's say... I'm in this servant relationship with Denny, okay? But I love Denny and Rhonda, and I just want to continue, even though I could be set free, I just want to live and serve Denny the rest of my life, okay? The law stipulates that that could happen. I could remain his servant the rest of my life. But here's what we're supposed to do. Okay, this is weird. I was to put my earlobe against a post... And Denny was supposed to then drive a, a spike through my ear, split my ear open, signifying that I have, look at him, he's like, do I really need to do that? Yep, you do. But aren't you glad we're not, I'm not your servant, okay. Okay, well, no, you're splitting my ear open, so then I would have a physical mark on me saying that I was his servant for the rest of my life, that I had given my life to serve them. That's what it's saying. Okay? That's what the law allowed. And the law gave that provision. Again, they didn't necessarily adhere to that law. Okay? Now, let's go on here. All right, concerning firstborn animals, Israel was to set aside every firstborn male from their livestock to the Lord. So let's say you have sheep or whatever, or, or, or cows. Every firstborn animal that was born to you, or an ox, was to be set aside to the Lord, okay? Belonged to the Lord. These animals were to be taken to the tabernacle annually to be sacrificed. So there was a specific time when all of Israel would bring their firstborn animals to the Lord at the tabernacle to be sacrificed. These animals were to be sacrificed. An imperfect firstborn animal was not to be sacrificed, okay, but to be eaten at home. So let's say the firstborn animal is kind of weird looking or whatever, or, or it's spotted or whatever, it's, it's not perfect. 
You again were not to keep that animal, but rather you were to kill that animal and you were to eat it at home. Okay, it was not belong to the Lord, but it couldn't be brought for sacrifice because it was imperfect. You would then eat it. Go ahead, Bruce. That was it. It was only the firstborn. Okay. Now again, everything here opens itself up for somebody cheating on it, right? Well, it depends on what? The integrity of the heart of the guy who's what? Worshipping. Okay? And again, what you see is, listen to me, what you see is, remember, we see throughout Scripture that people can misrepresent. Like, remember Ananias and Sapphira? They misrepresented their gift, and the Lord judged them for it. It's not that they held back money, but they misrepresented it. Okay? So people could do that. So the system... And again, whether or not they would adhere to it. I would say the more devout ones would adhere to it, but there are others in the land who probably are not devout. Okay? Now, let's talk about, we're going to look here, I'm just going to go through these. Chapter 16, verses 1 to 17, focuses on instructions concerning the great annual feast. Okay? So the great annual feast, which is true even to this day, are, first of all, the Passover, Okay, verses 1 to 8, we'll talk about that. The Feast of Weeks, which is verses 9 through 12. And then the Feast of the Tabernacles, which would happen in the fall, would be verses 13 through 17. Okay? So that's concerning the annual great feast. Now, God gives some specific instructions in chapter 16, verse 18 through 18, verse 22, concerning the officials, the people who would be in charge of the nation. Okay? So there are specific instructions given for judges and other officials in chapter 16, verse 18, through chapter 17, verse 13. He's already, this is interesting, at this point they don't have a king. And they're not going to have a king for a little bit, up until the time of Saul. But God is already anticipating that at some point their society is going to change and they're going to need a king. So God already gives them instructions concerning having a king. Chapter 17, verse 4 through verse 20. One of the things that the king was supposed to do was only have one, what? Wife. Now, how did they do? No. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Okay, so they're picking and choosing here, okay? Chapter 18, verses 1 to 8, you'll see specific laws, rules concerning priests and the Levites. And then chapter 18, verse 9 through 22, specific rules concerning prophets. Now, it is interesting to me that Israel always had a prophetic class. They always had prophets who existed among them who communicated what? What the Lord was saying to them. You see that throughout all of Israel's history. Okay? Now, when we come to chapter 19, we're going to see concerning the cities of refuge and, com and com criminal law. So chapter 19, verses 1 to 13, there are three specific cities 
that are going to be uh, purely for those who commit manslaughter. If you commit manslaughter, you just don't go to any of the cities of refuge. You go to three specific cities, depending on where you are. And then verse 14 talks about boundary markers. All right, and you're forbidden from moving the boundary markers. All right? Now, we understand that. Boundary markers are very important to us, right? Because people have land disputes all the time, right? In their thing, it's especially important because it reflected what? The inheritance. Remember, this was what was given to them, and this is what their families would maintain. So you were not allowed to move the ancient boundary stones, the markers, okay? And then... Chapter 19, verses 15 to 21, you see the laws concerning witnesses to a crime. You had to have a certain number of witnesses who were in agreement with each other concerning a crime. All right? Let's go on. The issue of war. When Israel would go to war, and they did go to war, okay? Uh, first of all, verses 1 to 4, they're told not to fear a superior enemy. God just flat out tells them, if you're going to war, don't be afraid of somebody who's superior to you. Okay? Why? Because who are they to trust in? The Lord, because the Lord would fight for them. Okay? Verses 5 through 9 are those who are exempt from military service. Now, these exemptions are pretty unusual, but they made sense. One of the exemptions was, as you look at these verses, is, is if you just built a new home, you were exempt from military service. Wow. Why would that be true? Anybody got a clue as to why that would be true? Okay, that's good. That, that, that's close. Starting a family. What were you saying, Dave? Well, it's not so much that, but that's a good answer. All right. It's kind of like what Cindy was saying over here. They gave an exemption. In fact, it's listed in another place. If you just got married, you were exempt for a number of years after marriage from fighting. Why would that be important? Yes, because they got to carry on the family name to what? Maintain what, folks? The inheritance. And when you talk about somebody who's building a home, they're typically building onto their parents' home or their family home so that, what? That meant a new new family. Did you understand? A new family unit that was started, so that was all part of the exemption. So they would be exempt from having to fulfill the obligation of military service. Let's go on. Uh, they were also, there's specific laws here concerning how they were to operate with the nations around Canaan. All right, so they were like nations who would become vassal nations. Okay, so you'll read in the Old Testament, you'll read in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, that the nations around Israel, some of them would become vassal nations. Well, it says very specifically any nation that becomes a vassal nation their people would become forced laborers for Israel. So it gives specific, 
some would say, a foreign policy for how they were to act with the nations around Israel. Chapter 20, verse 16 through 18, concerned the nations within Israel. And it's very specific there, wipe them out. You were to kill them. You were to destroy them, as my judgment on them, God is saying. Then, this is interesting, concerning the issue of war, there are specific rules about don't cut down the fruit trees. Don't cut down the fruit trees. Why would you have a rule about not cutting down the fruit tree? Because most armies, when they go in, they wipe out everything to pulverize the land so the people would have nothing. Israel, when it goes into the land to take it, they're not to cut down any of the fruit trees. Okay, food, that's, that's a good answer, but why? why? Why would you not cut down the olive trees or the fig trees? If you're taking the land for yourself, now do you understand? Yeah, So, because God promised them when you come, I'll give you a land already filled with orchards. If you go in there and wipe them all out, you've got to start all over, right? I mean, how long does it take for an apple tree to get to the point of bearing? Yeah, sometimes forever. Yeah, so if you've got ready-made orchards and ready-made fig trees and, and all these other things that are there, you're not going to cut them down because, yeah, you're going to wipe the people out, but you want to take over what they have, so you don't. Now do you understand the rule about the law about not cutting down the fruit trees of Canaan? Okay. Here's some miscellaneous laws that were given, okay? Uh, chapter 21, verse 1 to 9, are laws specifically concerning an unsolved murder. All right, here's some laws concerning family, chapter 21, verses 20, 10 through 21. Marrying a captive woman, there was a law concerning that. The right of the firstborn, it's in the law, the right of the firstborn son. Concerning a rebellious son, there were laws there concerning if you have a son who's a black sheep who's gone who's gone off the deep end. Okay, uh, here's some various other laws concerning uh, a hanged corpse, chapter 21. Cursed is the one who hangs on a tree. We know that one, right, from the New Testament, because they were talking about Jesus hanging on the tree. Concerning a fellow Israelite's livestock. So let's say you're in the land, but if you go out on your land, I'm going to look out the back 40 here today, mother, and you go out there and there's your neighbor's cow. What are you supposed to do with that? He's lost. He's strayed on your property. Do you claim it for yourself? Hey, we're having a barbecue today. No, no, you're not doing that. You've got responsibilities to your neighbors with what? Their cows or animals. Okay. Uh, concerning transvestites, there is a law forbidding men wearing women's clothing, women wearing men's clothing. Only one verse. In Israel, it was against God's law. Concerning birds in a nest, there is a law concerning that. You were not to just destroy the nests. Okay. Concerning a parapet on a roof. Alright, this is something that was on their roofs. You had some laws concerning that. Concerning mixtures. We would be really in trouble with this. Okay? 
Because you weren't supposed to mix seed of various types. You weren't supposed to mix various uh, materials for clothing. You can't mix wool with cotton. We're in a lot of trouble here because half our stuff is, is synthetic, mixed with real stuff, right? You know, they couldn't do that. Concerning tassels, remember the tassels? We've already seen some laws from that in the earlier books about the tassels that they were supposed to have on their, on their garments. Um, concerning marriage violations, so if there was a, mar a violation in your marriage, there are rules there, laws there in chapters 22, verses 13 through 30. Uh, exclusions from the assembly of the Lord. So when God's people would gather, these are the people who could not be a part of it. Very specifically says that Edom, Moab, and Ammon could not be a part of the gathering of the Lord. Says why, okay? Rules concerning uncleanness in the camp, verses 9 through 14 of chapter 23. Here's some various other laws concerning escaped slaves, verses 15 through 16 of chapter 23, concerning the issue of prostitution, verses 17 through 18. The issue of lending and charging interest, there is laws concerning that. Concerning vows, you have the issue of vows, verses 21 to 23, and concerning eating in your neighbor's fields. It was allowed, let's say, I am on a journey and I am traveling through the land of Sam. And as I'm traveling through the land of Sam, I notice he's got these wonderful blueberry bushes that are in, that's time for harvest. I was allowed because I, man, I'm kind of hungry. I could go over and take some of the blueberries off, you know what I'm saying, and eat them. Or as I'm traveling along, oh, a nice fig. I can eat a fig. Do you understand? I could, or harvest. It was allowed to do that. Now the law very specifically says, wow, I should take some of these home for my mom. No, you were not allowed to take a bag of the blueberries home because the blueberries belong to who? Sam. You understand? I could eat some of them, but I was not allowed to just take them with me. Okay. That's what the laws are saying there. Now, uh, laws concerning divorce and remarriage, chapter 24, verses 1 to 4. Again, chapter 24, verse 5, concerning those who were newly married, and this was the exemption again from military service. Uh, concerning millstones as a pledge, you were not allowed, millstones were, were a huge stone that cost a lot of money, that were used to what? Grind grain. But you could not use a millstone as a pledge because if you took somebody's millstone away from them, they had no way of making a living. So God was forbidding that. Okay? Concerning kidnapping, chapter 20, verse 7. Concerning skin diseases, verses 8 to 9. Uh, concerning the collection of a pledge, there was a law about how you would collect a pledge verses 10 through 13. There is also a law concerning paying your workers, verses 14 through 15. And you paid your worker that day. You didn't hold their wages. This is basically a law forbidding the holding of wages. Okay? Forbidding the holding of wages. Concerning guilt within a family. What was it if there was a family guilt issue, a shame issue? How to deal with that? 
Verse 16. There were laws concerning aliens, the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. Okay? Chapter 17, verse 24, verse 17 through 22. Concerning the prosecution of criminals, verses 1 to 3 of chapter 25. Concerning oxen, this is one where you don't muzzle the ox while he's threshing the grain. So why? You allow the ox to what? Eat the grain as he's going along. Okay? Concerning close marriages. Now, close marriages, for the most part, were forbidden. Cousins couldn't marry cousins, or this, that, or another. But here are some specific exemptions in these laws that allowed, that would allow for close marriage. Okay? That would allow for close marriage if they fit into these categories. Here's one, a law concerning stopping a fight. Let's say uh, Danny and Rob get into a knockdown drag out. They're arguing over something. There was a law concerning how you were to stop the fight, okay? All right, let's go on. Differing weights, scales. There were laws concerning the issue of scales. And in fact, folks, we still have those type of laws. Have you ever gone to the pump and you notice a sticker on the pump? Because the pump has been what? Tested to make sure that what it dispenses is what? Accurate, right? You see that in everything. Every scale has been tested to make sure it's accurate by the state. Israel was the same way. Why? Because that was the quickest way that somebody could cheat you. Okay? Would anybody cheat you? Oh, we're all perfect, right? Okay? All right, concerning the destruction of the Malachites. Here is a law very clearly saying Israel is to who? Wipe out the Amalekites. Why? Why would God want to wipe them out? Because of their brutality towards Israel in the wilderness. And specifically here, the passage talks about that when the Israel was marching around, the sick and the lame would somehow, ever been on a hike and somebody who's not doing well, they kind of lag behind? Well, what the Amalekites would do is they would pick them off. They would kill them. That's pretty brutal, isn't it? And so God is, is because of the brutality of the Amalekites towards the Israelites, God is saying, wipe them out. Okay? And this is a law. And again, we're going to see that they're not following this law later on. Okay? All right. Now, we come to chapter 25. 26 verses 1 to 15. And again, we're just going to real quickly here. Two things are two ceremonies here that are listed. I'm not going to go into detail with these. But the presentation of the first fruits, there were rules about how you were to present the first fruits, verses 1 to 11. And then the presentation of the tithe after the first three years in the land. So after the first three years of the land, they were to bring a specific tithe to the tabernacle there are rules here in verses 12 through 15. Okay? Wow. A lot of rules, right? A lot of laws. Next week, we're going to look at the third message. Okay? It's a little bit shorter section. We'll look at that next week. 